On this week's episode of When the Streetlights Come On, the podcast, my little brother and I will be discussing how we navigated the untimely death of our older brother. This year marks 12 years since his passing, and today would have been his 29th birthday. Everyone has experienced some form of loss throughout the years, but it's how we all manage to get through those moments. So join us for a moment of reflection and commemoration. Come inside. Um, I don't know if you had a lot of time to think about what you're going to say, what you're going to ask, but you know, you, no, you I ain't finna ask nothing. I ain't finna ask nothing. I ain't got no questions. <laughs> you gotta ask something. It can't be just me. <laughs> what you mean? Oh, I mean, I... All right, so I kind of wanted to have this conversation with you today. Uh, as you know, uh, September 2nd is uh, Ricky's, would have been Ricky's uh, 29th birthday. Um, this yes. have this also been the, um, what, 12th year death anniversary probably what was it august 10th of this year mm-hmm. um yeah i was kind of thinking about releasing an episode around that time but i was like no i would just wait to his birthday or around his birthday um so yeah 12 years ago today um so i guess let's just get right into it um so you know i know most of the story you know most of mine but uh most people listening this is my younger brother, uh, Malik. Um, mm-hmm. I decided to have him on this podcast because, uh, one, he's my brother, so he can specifically speak to, to this conversation that we're going to have today. And what better other option, I guess. Um, all right, so. Straight up. <laughs> straight up. All right. So, I get, uh, all right, so just to give a little background on what occurred. Uh, so. August 10th, 2008, our brother Ricky, at the age of 16, was gunned down, murdered in Richmond, Virginia. Um, more specifically, the north side, more specifically, Delmont. Um, so, not to get really too deep into the details, he was leaving a party, uh, was probably we hours of the morning, um, coming from the party, whatever occurred between him coming from the party and reaching where we lived in Delmont, he was robbed and killed. So, where were you, I guess, when you found out about all this, like, I guess the night of? I was uh, asleep. In the bed with my mama. And then my dad had came in there. See, I didn't know. I knew it was one of y'all. Something happened to one of y'all, but I didn't know who it was until I got so, there. So he just. So what do you up. mean that something kind of. How you knew it was one of us? Like, what was. Did he come in? What was his reaction when he came in? Or was he like. Flustered? Was he crying? He was, was normal. He just... he, nah, he was normal. He came in there. He like tapped my mama. If he woke my mama up, that was going to wake me up. How old? So then, how old were you? I just so? remember we just okay eight nine one. Um, so I remember getting in the car, and then we drove to the hospital. I knew it was one of y'all, and then I just remember when my my mama had seen your mom, and she had came and like hugged her, and then she was like, "My baby got shot in the head." 
I still didn't know who it was at that point. Until, I mean, but I had a wait. So up until wait, I walked so in, from I the moment our dad woke you up to the when y'all headed to the hospital, you had no idea like of anything. No, I didn't have a clue. No. So I didn't did he ever tell you like how he found out, or like what, I guess did my mom call him? Yeah, oh. yeah. She called. She had to have called him. Yeah. I'm like I'm a lot of the details that surrounding that night are kind of just blurry to me. I don't really even know what occurred half the time. Like I, I mean, I of course the twelve years, but a lot of the the details are just kind of. I think I don't know if I just pushed it to the back of my brain, but I don't really recall a lot of it. But I was actually so I recall picking. I remember my mom, boyfriend, and I drove to Wendy's to get Ricky. Uh, I think his shift ended around 9, 30, 10 o'clock that night, probably on the 7th. Um, no, no. <laughs> the uh, 9th. Uh, so we picked him up from Wendy's. I remember him wanting, I think it was like pizza, because near the Wendy's, it was like, you know, that pizza had this over there off Laburnum, and then they had the KFC too. So I think it was one of the situations where he got a pizza and I got KFC or I got KFC. I'm, I'm sorry. He, they got Pizza Hut. I got KFC or vice versa. I can't remember which one. So we all went back home and I knew it was a party going on that night in Delmont in a plaza. Um, but at that time I was, what, 15. So I really wasn't concerned with that type of stuff. So and I, and I know some of his friends that were throwing the party. Um, I think it was a female who threw the party. You know, she considered Ricky her like best friend or whatever at the time. Um, so I remember, you know, we, uh, you know, got out the car. He went upstairs, probably changed, eat his food. And I had headed over to, like, my friends. They were all standing in the, uh, the hallway or the apartment building kind of across from ours. So we, I kind of just went over there and ate my food in the hallway. And then I guess the last time I would say I saw him living, um, he was walking out the gate, which was a gated community apartment complex. I, don't, I mean, at this point, it kind of defeats the point because it wasn't secure or anything. So I just saw him, one of my friends kind of yelled towards him, like, what's up or something. He turned and, like, chucked up the deuce or something like that was. And then that the last time, he turned around and kept heading out. And I remember that night. So what happened was that night, which was uh, strange, two of my friends, when we were standing outside, it was me and my friend uh, Chevelle, and it was two other of our friends. They had went to the store and went somewhere, and they had came back. I was just like, oh, they had just got robbed. And I think they had took their cell phones and their chain or something like that. So they come back over there all, you know, mad. And, no, we got to get our stuff back. You got to remember this time, we were all young. So we were like 15, 16, 17, just as just age range. So we were just young. And they coming back like, you know, we, I'm going to get, get our stuff back. going to get our stuff back. By that time, I wasn't about that life. I was just like, all right, yeah, I can head out. I'm going to just go in the house then. Like, I'm just not doing all that. So they all went out, did what I really did. I just ended up going in the house. I think this was around probably 10 o'clock. Um, so I went in the house. And at that time, me and Ricky, we shared a room. Um, but I used to sleep in the living room a lot because the room used to always be junky. So I just never liked to sleep in a room. So I just slept in the living room. So I, rem- I, re- so I went to bed, whatever, in the living room. Next thing you know, I hear my mom like, running to the living room, right? And at this time, I probably would sleep for a few hours. And then she was just like, it's Ricky in here. And I'm like, I'm waking up. So I'm kind of a little disoriented. And I'm like, huh? And she was like, it's Ricky in here. I think I heard some gunshots outside my window. 
And I'm just like, at that time, I was kind of like annoyed. Like, really? Like, we hear gunshots all the time. And this one specific time, you want to wake up and, you know, that's concerned. And this, and at this time, Ricky was also one of those hardhead kids where he would like, she would say, come in at a certain time, he wouldn't come in. So it was kind of one of those things. At that point, I was like, here we go again. Like, we're about to hop in the car, go find him, bring him home. And she fussed him out, threatened to take his key if he don't come in on time or some crap like that. So anyway, I'm getting up. She going in the back, getting dressed. So I'm like, well, I'll just go stand in the hallway until, you know, she get ready and her boyfriend get ready because I already knew what was going to happen. We was going to get in the car. We was going to drive around the neighborhood, find him, come home. So I stood in the hallway, and at this time, we was up on the top, like, it was two, uh, I guess, floors. We were on the second floor. And if I come out to the hallway, it was, like, an open balcony where you can see out into, like, the open. Um, so it was these two girls they were walking by, and they saw me standing up there. And she was like, one of them was like, Eric, um, your brother got shot. And at this time, I'm still waking up. And so I, t- I was looking like, what? So, and they just kept walking. And so I turned back around and tried to open the door, but the door was locked. So then I just knocked, and my mom came to the door. She was, like, halfway getting dressed. And she was like, what? And I was like, somebody said Ricky got shot. And then, of course, in denial, she was like, no, he didn't. And she just slammed the door. I didn't, like, <laughs> in my face. Like, she slammed the door. And I'm like, whoa. Like, so I think she didn't believe. I mean, of course, somebody said get shot. You hear gunshots. You hear your son by name. Uh, I guess that got shot. So she, she's—I don't know what she was doing behind the door, but I ended up proceeding to go downstairs. And I'm like, got shot. So uh, I started to go downstairs, and then it's, it's as cliche and how theatrical it might sound. It was like a group of people. So if you walk down my steps, you turn to the left. That the. the entrance slash exit that you can walk out of the same exit he left out of to go to the party that was the same exit where i saw kind of people gathered around so it probably was only a few feet away it was not far from because our building was the first building before the door or the exit so it was like a group of people all in a circle and i kind of like started walking towards the group and it was like as i started to approach i started to see like people started to recognize me walking up and it was just kind of like the group, the like crowd just kind of like dispersed. And I just remember everything was kind of like slow motion. It was just like, and I just, I saw him laying. I can't even remember who arms he was in, but um, it was this guy, I guess from the neighborhood. And he, he was laying in his arms. And at that point, like my world just stopped. And it was just like silent. And it, of course, there was a lot of commotion going around. But I think just for me mentally, it was just silent and then i was just looking like in shock and at that point i thought he was deceased it just looked like a, to me like a dead body and but in just somebody's arm and they were rocking back and forth saying you know he, hold, hold on hold on whatever they were saying to him i guess just encouraging him to live or something along those lines so then next thing you know i hear my mom i just hear like a loud like screech like a just like fireworks just <laughs> going off like like, I mean, just like you see in the movies, just screaming no. And that kind of broke my silence. And, like, she just, her boyfriend was holding her, like, back. And, like, she was just screaming and crying. And at that point, I started to make my way back towards the um, apartment. And, like, at, and then everything was just, like, I felt in that moment, like, when I was walking back, like, I felt, like, all the emotions, like, building up. And I just, I felt like I was going to pass out, to be honest. 
it was just so overwhelming. Like, and then so I was walking back, and I was by myself at this point. And then I found myself like walking up the steps, and then it was my neighbor who uh, she used to do my hair sometimes, and even Ricky hair sometimes, but we had longer hair at that time. And she, her, the lady who lived there, her daughter saw me walking up the steps, and she just grabbed me and like pulled me into their apartment, and. Like, just held me there, like, on the couch, which in that moment, it seemed like a long time. But I think in hindsight, it really wasn't that long. Probably was just a few minutes. But it just felt like forever. Like, I just was bawling. Um, Like, I was shaking. I was just crying. Like, I don't think I've ever cried that hard in my life. And I don't think I've cried really since that time. Um, And then, I I guess between that time, the ambulance hand came, uh, recovered him. My mom started, whoever else started making their way back um, so we can head to the hospital. And then I remember she was like, do you, you want to go, you know, you want to go back to your mom? And I, cause I think they, I don't know if they saw or heard my mom coming back. So I was like, yeah. And then we just made our way to the, um, we hopped in the car, made our way to MCV. And that was the start of a crazy night. Um, yeah, that was the start of a crazy night. Yeah. So, the last time, the last time I seen Brad alive was like, I think we had went to um, Cleveland House in Newport News. Well, what did we? Were we just going there? Like, what was the point of that? It was summertime. It was like it was probably right before he died. Oh, true. Yeah, we just went there just because, and uh, um, yeah, we ended up staying at Sarita House that night. Oh yeah, so that like we went to the hospital. Yeah, I got there. So many people came to the hospital. Like, it was crazy. Like, it was so many people. And everybody kept asking what's going on, what's going on. And this was at the time my, my mom had like, basically tore up the hospital because she was just going off. They had to sedate her. Um, you know, of course, the doctors and nurses will come in, give them status updates. I think at one point it went from, you know, he, you know, uh, was in ICU. Every, at that time, and I remember when me and you left, we left the hospital like four in the morning and go to your aunt's house. And I think my mom was just yeah. like, you know, I think just, and I think this was the first time, like, you know, our dad really isn't big in religion, but this was the first time I think he actually went to the hospital chapel. Like, he was like he, at, he needed something to lean on. Um, so, and it was just a lot of, I don't really want to get into the details of what occurred at the hospital because it was just a lot. But um, I just remember at four in the morning, my mom was like, yeah, I want you to go. Um, and at the time, she was also paranoid because we really, we really didn't have any of the details to what really happened. All we knew, she had a son, he was shot, and everybody's at the hospital. People we know, don't know. People, a lot of people asking questions, a lot of cops asking questions. And it was just, I remember I was questioned, like, like I was interrogated, basically, like, what was he, you know, involved in, et cetera. And it was just a lot. But anyway, yeah, I remember four in the morning we left. Um, and at that time... Yeah, you, like you mentioned, you were young, so you were like eight or nine, and I was fifteen. Um, and I think I know for me, um, that was up until that point. I think that was the biggest loss that I experienced. What about you? I mean, just like so close to home type of thing. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't think I cried that much since my. I had like the yellow bird. Oh, I think it was a love bird. And her name was Tiffany. Like I think that's outside of that, that was the second most like time I cried the most. Um, we just, a love bird. It was like anyway. It was it was a yellow love bird. But no, um, yeah, I probably haven't cried that hard since. But after a while, you get tired of crying. 
be like, yeah, at the piano, I ain't cry. You know what I'm saying? So not to jump there. Uh, so, all right, we wake up in your aunt's house, right? I remember, like, shouting to everybody's there. Um, Man, there was some shit of people in that house, but we ain't finna talk about that either. So how did you... Okay, so I what was your all right that morning? At that time, at that time, I they somebody told me that he was gonna be all right. Yeah, that's same I heard before we left the hospital. That's in my head. Like I think the doctors or whoever has said like he might have some like disabilities or be in a vegetative state. But at that point in my head, I'm like, well, at least he's gonna be living. I don't care what state he's in. Like I rather at least he's gonna be here, right? So when we left the hospital, I was under the impression he was shot. He gonna survive. He was in ICU. He gonna survive. That's all that I knew at that point. When we went to your aunt's house, went to bed, I woke up expecting the nightmare to be over. He be in the hospital. We can go see him, etc. When you woke up that morning, what was your? I mean, the first conversation or the first like, what did you do when you first woke up? I I knew. Some just kept telling me. I don't know. I think he ate breakfast, but I kept saying. Did you speak to anybody? Telling me. I don't know. I was just worried. Did you speak? Like, did anybody speak to you? Did you, did you have any indication I mean, at that time that he had passed? No. So, so at this time, all. my cousin Keita, she had called me on my phone, like early that morning, and I can tell something was up because she called me, but she was like, "You good?" And she just she really wasn't saying much, but I knew she knew something, but she just wasn't really saying much. She was just like, "You good?" I was just calling to check on you, like da da da, and. Later, later on, she told me she knew she was then she just was seeing if I knew she didn't want to break it to me. She didn't want to be the first to tell me, which I get it. Um, so, yeah, we, I, I think we ate. And then at the time, I think Shonda was just like, like, at that moment, I was like, I want to see my mom. Like, I want to go. Like, I want to see. And I don't even think we, I went to see my mom first. I think we were going to see our dad. So. Yeah, we came to my house and everybody was here. Yeah. Um, so. I mean, you at that point, she kind of know. I I didn't know. You know what I'm I saying? mean, what do you mean you knew? Like, did... I mean, I'm like, why are all these people in my house if he's going to be all right? But, yeah. So then we walked in. And I just remember my dad telling you. And then that was, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, so I remember we walked in. We got there. And I, like you said, we saw different family members or whoever were there. And I saw my dad, like, balled up in the corner of the couch. And, you know, our dad doesn't cry. Like, he he, is, he doesn't really show a lot of emotion either. So I remember him balled up in the corner of the couch and like he saw us come in. He was whispering something. And I was just like, huh? He kept, like, he was repeating it, but he was like through his tears and well, his grief. He's like, I couldn't really understand or make out what he was saying. Then I remember, I, then he said, Ricky died. And I was just like, huh? Well, I was like, what do you mean he died? He was like, he died. And then he just continued with his like sobbing or whatever. And I remember his brother, our, our uncle, um, like, I saw him, and he just pulled me into the back room, like, our dad's, like, man cave. And I'm not going to get into that conversation, but um, it was, like, a, you know, 21 conversations, which I didn't really appreciate at that time. I don't think it was called for. But um, then we, I remember, um, <laughs> so when you found out in that moment, how did you feel? When you kind of got the definite, man. you know? Man, I, I was hurt. I was hurt. I, I said, okay, at eight, nine years old, uh, how did you process? Because I've always been curious. Like, I mean, we, you know, we, were, we have a few years between us. And I was 15, so. I processed it the same way I do now. Like, I still feel the same about it. All right, so 
so in that moment, uh, I honestly, like I said, I can't even remember the details. Like I don't even, I feel, I don't even remember where, where you went when after we found out. It was just kind of like. I think we had went to um we went I, I just remember we went somewhere we rode out somewhere with Shonda because she took me then to my house that, next. Yeah, and then after that I was just back and forth from Michelle's house because I ain't really yeah just to keep my mind off of stuff. All right, that was just yeah. So um, that same day, all right. So after my dad broke it to us, whatever. At that point, I was just like, right, I want to see my mom. Like, I got to see my mom. So we, you know, we have in the car with Shonda. Shonda takes us. Well, take me back to you know where I live, and when I pull up, it was like teddy bears and balloons, and people just crowded around. It was just, it was exhausting. It was overwhelming. I get out the car, I go into my apartment. My mom's up there. It's all these people in the apartment, and she's just at that point. You can see like her eyes are just red. She, you can tell she's just been crying. Like I don't even think she had enough tears to cry no more. Um, like, she wasn't even crying at that point. She saw me, you know, console me or whatever. Um, and then she, immediately she was like, I don't even want you to be here. She was like, go back to, um, you know, our dad's house. And I'll, you know, I'll basically let you know when I want you to come back. Which wasn't long. But at, her, at that time, I think her concern was she didn't really know what was going on. So she didn't want me to be in, I guess, some harm's way or something. Because at that time, it was a murder investigation at that point. Um so yeah, I ended up leaving. I saw some of my friends, they tried to console me. It was just anyway, it was a lot. Um So how did you I guess over the years, over the twelve years, how would you say how did you cope like initially? And how did you how did you cope with it? Like, how did you deal with the loss initially and over the years? Like, how did that, like, of course, you know, they said time heals all wounds. So, like, when it first happened, how did you manage the emotions or the, the you know, how did you handle the death? I mean, like, <laughs> all right. Bunch. Nah, everybody was bringing food, so I was just eating. I mean, I was eight, nine. Like, what else could I do? Like, you know what I'm saying? I just, so how did you, I mean, so how did you take your mind side. off and distract yourself? Video games, sports, like what was I, it? Yeah, I, all of that. I played the game. I watched TV, watched sports, and ate. That's all I did. I ate and ate and ate. You know what I'm saying? So how do you feel like that type of stuff kind of distracted you or helped distract you? Just throughout the years. Like what? So how did that it change throughout the years? It. It just, what about I mean, like you said? Time heals everything. So throughout the so, years, you know, when you, I mean, as you move through life, things happen. You meet new people. School started back up, so you got that. You see your friends. You know what I'm saying? Just going through life. There's time heals all. So, so I think for me, at 15, went to school. Yeah, I think we had switched schools immediately. We had moved to a different whole area. We, I went, and so I, for, for people listening, all right, so in my household, it was Ricky, me, and my oldest brother. At that time, my oldest brother was incarcerated. Um, and then Malik, he lived with my dad, my stepmom. 
same city, maybe 10 miles or less away. Um, and so when all this went down, we moved. I went to a different school. This was all like new to me, like a different area, different school and different people. I went to a different high school. This is the first time I went to a school where Ricky wasn't there. Because, you know, we were in, we both were in the same grade up until his death because my mom held him back in second grade. So we were basically in every grade together, every school together. Um, so I went to the school. Um, so basically with me and my mom, up until my brother got out probably seven to months to a year after. Um, so the way I kind of cope with it at that time I don't really think I did. I, I think everything happened so fast where I, um, there was so much change so soon that I didn't really have time to deal with it, I guess, if that makes sense. And then, like, over the years, it was just kind of keeping myself busy, I guess, All, you know, to put my focus into things that would kind of, I guess, distract me. Um, so, yeah. Were, were there any, um, I guess, changes in your household as it related to his death? Like, did, uh, you know, your our dad, did he start behaving or acting a certain way? Or was it always a conversation being brought up about Ricky or, you know, how did that go? He, um, yeah, he would talk about him a lot. He would, uh, you know what I'm saying, do stuff that he would cope, I guess, use to cope with the pain. You know what I'm saying? First, he was all depressed, just laying around. You know, you know. He started to do some other things. He didn't do no drugs or nothing like that. But, yeah, he just did some stuff to get him through it. You know what I'm saying? But I don't really know how he 100% got over it. I mean, he'll probably never 100% get over it. But, like, how he's able to just deal with it on a daily basis, I don't really know. Do you yeah. do you feel like because you know like when people lose children, it tends to, if they have other children, it tends to strengthen the bond or relationship or draw you know relationship closer. Do you feel like you know his the okay. death brought y'all closer? Or like, why do you think that? No, nah, it didn't bring us closer. If I'm being honest, it just kind of stayed the same. I don't think he brought y'all closer either. <laughs> but how would you know that? <laughs> Cause, cause I know, um, but I don't think it, I don't think it did not bring you. No, I don't. Person. I think well, over no, I think over the years it did. I don't think because um, I mean, at that time I was still young, so I don't really think. Um, yeah, at that time, yeah, at that time, at that time, brought y'all. You know, everybody get older. Everybody go through things. I have reasons. You know what I'm saying. So I know in my household, well, for me, <laughs> my mom, it was an emotional roller coaster, not just for me, but for her. Like her coping with it and dealing with it was like yeah. a totally different person. She involved it's like and it was just like Jesus, like it was a a, a daily thing. It wasn't like a, you know, you go all week and you might have a day throughout the week where it's just, you know, you're sad down. No, it was a daily thing for, I feel like, a year or two. It was just 
crazy. And I think at that time, because, you know, how they always say, you know, you got to be strong for this person or this person. Um, I didn't really have any room to mourn. I think she did it all for me. And um, maybe that <laughs> that's a bad thing because I just probably never really had that outlet. But because um, I'm so busy trying to be that quote unquote strong person that um, I never really had the opportunity to kind of grieve the way I should have, which I don't know if that's good or bad, but um, yeah, so my household was just that my brother got there and, you know, him being incarcerated and finding out was a different experience for him that he gets home and it's kind of like it's recycling those emotions again. They both had to kind of, Michael say, relive it, but because they both were together now, him being my mom and my brother, they both kind of hashed it out again and it was just kind of like, okay, and we're going back through it. And it was just like, for me, it was just like, I was always finding ways to like hang out with my friends or come over there with you guys more often. Or, you know, go yeah. with my Uncle Scotty when he was attending JMU more often. So it was just like, at that point, I didn't even want to be in the house no more. It was just becoming emotionally toxic. So it was just like, I don't even want to be here. Um, so yeah, I found myself always trying to be away. And I think that's what prompted me to kind of not go to VCU and end up going to ODU because it was just like I wanted to get away and yeah um, that was the best thing for real, for real at that time no definitely I mean in hindsight I look back I'm like oh that was the best leaving Richmond was probably the best decision I made not up to, to date but at that time um, do you uh, <laughs> do you feel like yeah I'm on my way out of here I'm getting out of Richmond do you feel like your parents, your mom or dad or both, do you feel like either of them were emotionally available around the time Ricky died for you to kind of like, if you needed a shoulder to cry on, I guess? Yeah, always my mom. For that type of stuff, always. Yeah. How does she, I mean, what's some of the things she said to help you kind of deal with it? I don't know. She was just, I don't really remember the exact things, but she was just encouraging. You know what I'm saying? She was actually pretty, like, she was real strong. She was one of the strongest ones at the time everything had happened. But, yeah, I just, you know, she was just real encouraging. For me? You was encouraging? Not for me. No, no, no. No, I, I was about to speak to my, about my experience with that. Um, oh. No, I mean, you know, for, like, I think at that time, I, I would look more so like, because you was young, so I was just like, you was going to, I knew you were going to process it differently, being at your, at your age. Um, so, of course, you know, outside of your mom, I had to be like, let me make sure Malik's straight. But I didn't even know how to navigate through it myself at that point. It was just like, God, like, I ain't even, that was like, the like I, I was saying before, the <laughs> biggest loss. So it was just like, I don't even know how to, I can't even grieve. How can I console somebody else who's grieving? Um, but I, for me, emotionally available, I don't think either of my parents were emotionally like available or just, I think because they were both dealing with it at the same time, it was just like they didn't really have time to kind of. They lost their child. Yeah. I don't really, because I think I remember my dad, I remember my dad, which is crazy. My dad had said around the time, like, Oh yeah, you know we haven't forgot about you, 
which is that's how I'm like, no, you good, you good, you know, no, do you like do your thing, like you know, you know, you'll get through it. I'm gonna be straight. And then I remember my mom always reinforced me, you know, you 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 strong, you always been strong, you know. And everybody used to question, like, you know, why you don't, why you not crying, or why you don't cry? And I'm just like, geez, like, I didn't know the size of a tear measured your grief, but as like. Everybody keeps telling me to be strong. You want me to be strong? Yeah. Do you want me to cry? Like, I, I was confused. Or like, be, they say, be strong for your mama in one hand. The next thing, you know, they ask me why, why I'm not crying. I'm just like, I don't I don't even know at this point. But, um, yeah, I don't think, I don't think my, both either of our parents knew how to be emotionally available because this was, they never really experienced this. It was new for everybody, I think, at that time. Um, so... Yeah, that joint came out the blue, like, you know what I'm saying? It came out the blue. Yeah. So, I guess, I guess, thinking back, how do you, I guess, memorialize him? How do you, what, what things do you do to kind of, like, you know, remember him, honor him, or, you know, would you, over the 12 years? I don't know. <laughs> Man, I'll boost his. You know what I'm saying? I'll be thinking <laughs> Nah, every time a Boosie song come on. Which one like, in particular? You know what I'm saying. I'd be like, because that's, uh, it don't even matter. I just remember him listening to Boosie, like, that's it, for real. But, uh, I mean, you got the tattoo. That's one way you memorialize it. Yeah, I got the yeah. tattoos. So I'm finna get another one. But, yeah, I got the tattoos. You know, like, the tattoo we got, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, crown. Uh, yeah. So I mean, but and they still be throwing. I mean, you know, you always hear about them. Like everybody still know him. Like I be running into people to this day that knew my brother and knew about. Yeah, him, well, you know, which was crazy. That is like up to and, day, uh, I think they still have a the annual either visual cookout or something kind of honoring him, which I never participate in. It's just because I just don't really feel com- comfortable. Not like. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I just, I don't pull up but I mean, I do appreciate the love he does receive online, social media, you know, just, you know, it's crazy because like you would think 12 years later, people would kind of, you know, at that point, outside of mind, but it's one of those things that people still be repping for him. So I'd be thinking like, that. Right, that's, that's what's up. People still hit. No, oh, no I mean, some yeah, of course. Fakes. Yeah, you're going to have that though. You're going to have fake love, you're going to have a real love, but it's still love, right? Whether it's fake or not. <laughs> nah. Fake love ain't love, bro. Niggas be following the wave. So you think they represent? You think they be, you think they be clout chasing? But yeah, bro. Not clout chasing, but goddamn. It's just, it's just, it just, it just sound cool to, to be like, yeah, I knew him. It just, you would think cool he was like, it was crazy at 16. You would think people, like he was a celebrity, the way people kind of, talk about him but yeah which i mean that's cool um i think for me over the years i memorialized him uh i think i just kind of use the death as more as like fuel to kind of just do you know make my mom mm-hmm. proud make our dad proud make everybody proud or you know do the right thing type of thing like i just kind of wanted to you know one brother got killed one was constantly um, just out of my mom kids, one got killed. One was 
in and out of um, prison. So I was like, dang, I'm really out of her children the last hope of a smile. So let me, you know, kind of be that person who kind of can be a reflection of something um, good. So it was just like, I just used that kind of like went to school, did right. Like, I don't know. It was just one of those. That's how I feel like I kind of memorialized it. I really didn't do much. Like, I kind of sometimes I go back and get pictures because I kind of forget how he looks sometimes. Um, yeah, I do. That's why I think I got one of our like kid pictures on my screensaver. So I was just like, I can. So, I mean, I'm not going to say I would ever forget, but I just want to kind of have a. It kind of helps me <laughs> restore those memories because sometimes it's just like I haven't seen him so long. I'm just like, I need this picture to kind of remind me. Um, yeah. So I kind of, I mean, that's that's all I really, I'm just willing to have this conversation yep. with you. I don't think a lot of this we kind of spoke about before. Um, most of what we did or at some points. Um, is there anything you kind of want to ask, touch on? Yeah. Um, send you me said this. what? <laughs> send you this. Send me this. <laughs> I'm talking about, is there anything else you want to add to the episode? You tell me something you this. Nah, um, nah. I'm rock with it. You know what I'm saying? It's a good way to, you know what I'm saying? Get stuff off your chest, I guess. It's a good way to vent. Yeah. I'm going to start my own podcast. But nah, that's, um, nah, that's it. So yeah, everyone, that was a conversation with my little brother. Um, you know, I kind of wanted to have like a special episode, you know, that I released on uh, our, uh, you know, our brother's birthday, which will be his uh, 29th birthday. Um, but I kind of wanted to continue with, I think, some of the, you know, the, the bigger picture of it all. Um, a lot of the lessons learned either over the 12 years or at the time. Um, one thing I would encourage everybody listening to this, have life insurance. I can't stress it enough. The time of my brother's death, of course, no parent thinks that they'll lose a child, you know. But I know in that moment, we didn't have any funds to bury him. Um, we This is before social media was big. This is before um, all the, 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 uh, the ways to kind of crowdsource or collect money. So none of those were options. Um, so I would definitely suggest everybody make sure you have at least the minimum life insurance policy to cover your loved ones when if something i mean it doesn't have to be related to gun violence or violence but just you never know what's going to happen especially nowadays with the pandemic you just never know so i would encourage everybody look get life insurance some of these policies are ten dollars a month right it's no excuse you can go to chick-fil-a get you a a combo uh, you can get you a life insurance policy. 
another thing um, that I kind of want to touch on. Um, a lot of people, especially people of color, we get so comfortable being in environments that aren't healthy and raising our children. Of course, there are a lot of reasons and factors that keep us in those environments, you know, but I know, especially in my situation, we changed environments because we were forced to. Um, and I always think back, what if we would have made that effort or what if, you know, my mom would have kind of thought to do that much sooner. Um, but like I said, there's a lot of factors that keep people financially um, just socioeconomically or whatever the reason. Um, but I would suggest parents, if you're in an environment and you can get out, get out. Um, of course, these type of things can occur anywhere. I mean, you can be the, the, the nicest part of the city and violence can occur. Don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not ignoring that. What I'm saying is let's not wait till something happens or something occurs to want to, you know, get that fire under our feet to want to get out. Um, I definitely think changing environments was a good because it kind of opened me up for a totally different experience. Um, so uh, that's a good thing. Another thing I kind of want to touch on just uh, you know, the bigger picture of it all is, you know, parental depression is real. Um, depression itself is real. Um, but especially with the loss of a child, parents can carry that grief through years. Um, and that can have all other related impacts um, on themselves personally on those surrounding them. I know for me personally, it was, it was a lot of, it was a burden on me emotionally to just witness it and deal with it. Um, so that's a lot. And, um, another thing I want to touch on, I mean, with the current environment now, you know, we have all the police shootings and, um, a lot of people really in times like this really don't want to speak about inner city violence. Um, or the um, the quote-unquote black-on-black crime, which is not unique just to our um, community. It's white-on-white crime, Asian-on-Asian crime. You know, we, we, we violate and um, harm those that look like us, that surround us, our neighbors. Um, so it's not a colored thing. So being that I'm a, I live in a black community, of course, the people, the perpetrators are going to be black, which makes sense. Um, so this is not a black on black crime discussion, but I kind of want to touch on that. We have to, we have to the same way we, um, you know, are pushing, um, BLM. We have to also, we have to also understand and put a lot of energy into solving a lot of our issues as well. Um, because I know when my brother was killed, I felt like over the next 10 years, there was a lot of murders. And a lot of those people either were the perpetrators 
or the victim. And that's just something we can't ignore. But I don't want to get deep into that. That's a different episode, different conversation. Um, Another thing I kind of want to touch on, um, the new relationships you can build from an experience like this. Um, I know for me, there were a lot of people that were absent from my life that came in my life at the right time. Um, Uncles, aunts, other extended family members. Um, And I think it's very, very important. I think that was one of the main reasons uh, how I kind of dealt with it and got through it. Um, So, yes, new relationships do come from death, uh, which is unfortunate because, especially in the black community, the only times you really kind of see your folks is at funerals and if y'all have family reunions, family reunions. Um, so we got to work on that as a community. We can't just wait until um, we receive some bad news don't want to come together as a family. Like that's just it's sick if you think about it. Um, there's a lot of family members that I haven't even seen since my brother's death. And I probably won't see them until the next person's death. And it's been 12 years. Um, but hey, that's just the way it is. So this sums up this week's episode when the streetlights come on the podcast. Please remember to make us a part of your weekly routine so we can make you a part of ours. Continue to like, share, comment wherever you may find this podcast. Remember, stay lit and stay lifted.